Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. I just know the Spirit of God is in this place, amen, and I know the Holy Spirit wants to do something extraordinary, um, and I want to minister a word that, that the Holy Spirit is, is, is really sort of speaking very, very much into my heart. You know, how many of you found that during, uh, during your sort of life experience, there, there are moments in your life when there, there is more demanded of you than you've got in you? That, that the pull on the inside of you, find yourself, it, it's like being asked to run another 10 miles when you know you can't make another 10 steps. Uh, but you, and and the, the, the natural man is to, is, thinks to yourself, well, I just need to, I need to push harder, I, I need to try harder. It, it's, a like, it's, it's like I have to do more. It's, um, if you had work to do, uh, I remember when I was cabinet making, um, I had own furniture business when I was cabinet making and we had, um, we had lots of furniture to, to make and sometimes we had very, very tight schedules and, and the, the key uh, was, was just make more furniture and, and, uh, and so you would try and work hard but there's only so much time in a day uh, and, and you'd find yourself getting, getting more and more exhausted and, and and you were, so you would try and work harder, but you had nothing left in you. Um, well, you know, um, I, was, uh, I was thinking about this, and I suddenly remembered Sylvester Stallone, which, uh, of course, you do. And uh, Sylvester Stallone is one of those great movie actors, most famous movie actors, of which it's noted his acting skill actually isn't great. <laughs> It's like, how does a man become so great with, with, with not being such great an actor? And here's the amazing thing. I was listening to a, an interview on the radio about a, a British actor uh, of great sort of uh, stage renown um, who had a bit part in a Sylvester Stallone movie. And for that, he was being interviewed. He, he wasn't being interviewed because he was a great actor, or, but he was being interviewed because he had a bit part with Sylvester Stallone. And, and the only opportunity they get to meet Sylvester Stallone is to meet a guy that met Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> so he's on the radio and uh, he's being interviewed. And this is what the man said. He said, when Sylvester Stallone walked into a room, the place went electric. He said, even when he's walking down the corridor, you wouldn't even know it's Sylvester Stallone that's there, but the place is just, the charisma, his charisma filled the room. And I suddenly began to think about how the fact that, that some people more flows out of them than the natural man. Yeah. Than what's normal. Actually, Sylvester Stallone, I'm not going to credit his charisma to the Holy Spirit, but he does believe in Jesus Christ. He has publicly confessed that. And, uh, uh, and uh, so that, um, that gives him an extra 10 points in our opinion, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he went from here to here. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so... We, you know, some people just are able to produce something of themselves. I mean, he, he gets the same 24 hours in a day that we get. And there are much better actors in the world than him that we've never heard of and never will. It's amazing how someone can produce something more out of them 
than, than others. What is it if it's not the gift? What flows out of them? And here it says in John's uh, gospel, in chapter 7, and it says this, John seven thirty eight to 39, He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But he spoke this concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. You know, there are many sort of moments in our life where we're trying to do more and we read this scripture and the Bible kind of taunts us with these incredible truths. It's like there's this, this taunting that's saying, look, more can happen and yet we know that by our experience that we have yet to see the more, even though the more is true. We know the word is true, and so yet our experience has yet to kind of fully line up with it. We get glimpses of it. We get get windows that open up where the heavens open in our life. But, But the Bible, Jesus simply said this, He who believes in me, rivers of living water will flow out of his belly. Extraordinary statement which suggests that there is an overflow of the life of the Spirit. If a natural man with a natural gift can flow out uh, a natural charisma, how much more can a man born of the Holy Spirit, a person born in belief and faith in Jesus Christ, flow with the rivers of living water? How much more is it possible? And yet what happens in our life is that we find ourselves in a position where we come to the point and we're not pouring out water, but more like dust. <laughs> so it's, like, it's like the water, the water level dropped and you've got dust left and no water. It just feels like, feels like if you had a mouthful of sand, they got a... There's nothing coming out of us. And here's the amazing thing, is that in our life, there's always something being spent. There's always something coming out. The reality of your natural existence, I've said this many times, is that life will always cost you. It even costs you to come to church. You just didn't think about it that much. Not unless you had to pop into the petrol station on the way. It costs you to get up, have breakfast and go to work. It costs you. It will cost you to get home again. It will cost you to go to bed. (laughs) Those of you who are worrying about money are now really worrying. (laughs) We will will give you a telephone number where you can phone for (laughs) counselling. It will cost you. There is, there is always an expense of our life, and yet Jesus promises not an expense, but a credit, a flow of living water. A flow, because life is costing. We need something to, to be able to cover the, the mental, the spiritual, the emotional cost of our lives. There is an emotional cost to being in church and relating to people. Is it a cost to your heart? There's a soul cost. There's a faith cost. There's a, there's a physical cost of, of not being at home, sitting watching the TV, but being in church. There's a physical cost to that. 
But there is a, there is a promise that the Holy Spirit is poured out and rivers will flow out of us. And yet here's the, here's the taunt that we often don't experience the river, but experience the trickle. So what's the secret? Coming back to a natural example, I, 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 I was thinking about Andy Murray. He's, he's another popular figure, uh, and uh, only because he's winning. When he's losing, we will uh, be like, oh, yeah, Andy Murray's no good anymore. And uh, so Andy Murray, uh, at the moment, sort of top of his game, but there's always that edge. You really don't know. He's, he's not like, he's not like the, the great tennis players. He's like nearly great tennis player, isn't he? He's won a couple of grand sums. Here's the thing about... Uh, Andy Murray, I could be wrong about this, so if, if I am wrong, then forget this point entirely. Because <laughs> I'm just basing that on, on memory of reading uh, newspaper articles. But when Andy Murray won uh, Wimbledon uh, in uh, 2012, and then he won, the, um, the, uh, he won gold in the Olympics, and then he um, uh, won Wimbledon actually the following year, I believe it was, wasn't he? So he won Wimbledon... Um, the Olympics, um, and then he won gold the, the following year. Um, yeah, and the, yeah, sorry, you know what I mean. So, and then a few years later, and then he stopped winning Grand Slams, and then he came back and he won again. So he won his uh, Grand Slam, he won Wimbledon, he's won three Grand Slams. I think he won the American Open, he won uh, Wimbledon twice, um, and he's won uh, gold twice. Uh, in the Olympics, and he's only won those while Ivan Lendl has been his coach. And Ivan Lindell was his coach for a while, and then he got sacked, and then he came back and was his coach again, and he started winning again. So I would suggest, not being an expert in sport, I would suggest that I, Andy Murray doesn't need more practice, but he needs better input. See, it's the input that determines the output. We try, see, we, the thing that we... Focus on is the output of our life. What flows out of us. But the Bible promises a grace. A grace is a supernatural favor, unmerited favor, which empowers our life to do more. So the Bible says, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. In other words, out of you will flow the grace to do a supernatural work, have a supernatural influence, to be able to, to be able to swept along on the river of his spirit that empowering your life. Yeah. And yet, we all know what it feels like to be grinding along the dust of the riverbed, yeah. <laughs> wondering where the water went. But when Andy Murray's winning, he's winning when he's got a coach speaking in his ear, telling him the things that he needs to hear. Ivan Lendl, for those of you who would remember him, he was a 1980s um, Wimbledon champion. I remember him playing many times. I think he, he played against McEnroe. Uh, and these, uh, and he, he lost Wimbledon titles so many times. And then he started to win. And, and he had that very similar sort of... A mental approach. So he's a champion who's known how to break through and how to survive against greater champions and, and still win. And, and so here he is in the natural and he's knowing what to give Andy Murray the right kind of coaching. But we have a coach in the Holy Spirit and we have a coach who speaks to us. And, but the only chance that we're getting of an input is when we turn and we believe in him. Yeah. He who believes in me, Jesus said. 
See, the promise is what we turn to see in here. Jesus was speaking to the disciples when he gave the um, story of the, 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 lo- uh, the <laughs> not the loaves, uh, the story of the seed that was cast onto the ground and the seed that grew up and was, uh, was, um, was withered by, uh, by the sun and those that were eaten by, by crows. And, and he, he gave this example and, and the disciples are asking about, about how the kingdom of God works. And Jesus says, look, he says, they'll only believe if they see, and they can only believe if they hear. You can only believe what you turn and look at. See, Thomas could only believe because he could place his hand in the side of Jesus because he could see him and touch him. But I want you to know that Jesus by the Spirit of God, has opened up our eyes so that we can turn and see Him. As you turn your heart toward Him and believe, with your spiritual heart, you're seeing the King and believing. And the more you turn and believe in Him, the more the river is able, the sluice gates of your heart are able to open up. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, it says this, whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like Him as we're changed into His glorious image. See, freedom is promised on not what we do, but on what we see. Let me read this to you again. Whoever turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. The veil was a physical hindrance to stop you looking upon the glory of the Lord, lest you got burnt up. Right? Not good being burnt up, unless, of course, you're a cow. Right? Then it's good, because we can eat you. So... The, uh, it's a side note for all of those of you who like eating cow. So, but here's the thing, right? It's not, we, you couldn't look into the temple. You couldn't look into the holy of holies. But the veil was torn away because Jesus had paid the price. So now it was necessary, it is necessary for us to turn and look into the Holy of Holies that we might see what God is ministering unto us. For the mercy seat, the place of grace where love and mercy flows out from, we look into the holy place and his promises flow out of that place. You can't have rivers flowing out of you if you're not looking in. Your input, you've got to, there's an input into your life. And that input determines your output. Now, I I want you to see this in, uh, I want to finish with this. In Numbers chapter, Numbers chapter 11. um, And we're going to read, I cut and paste this very quickly, so I haven't got, I think it's 23. (laughs) We'll go with 23. Well, we believe in Jesus, so that's the verse. <laughs> and the Lord said to Moses, has the Lord's arm been shortened? It's a funny question, isn't it? Okay. <laughs> anyway, has the Lord's arm been, been shortened? Now you shall see 
whether what I say will happen to you or not. So Moses went out and told the people the words of the Lord. And he gathered the 70 men of the elders of the people and placed them around the tabernacle. Then the Lord went down in the cloud and spoke to them and took of the spirit that was upon him and placed same, the same upon the 70 elders. And it happened when the spirit rested upon them that they prophesied. Note here, in the Old Testament, anytime the Spirit of God is upon anyone, they prophesy. The single note that God was on someone in the Old Testament was they prophesy. Which is why Paul says in the New Testament, when he's been, I pray that you pray in tongues, I pray that you manifest all the gifts of the Spirit, but above all those things, I pray that you prophesy. See, prophecy is the key note. And prophecy isn't, thus saith the Lord, you wicked person. <laughs> prophecy isn't judgment, by the way. Yeah. The scripture clearly states that prophecy is exhortation, comfort, and edification. Yeah. It's to lift up, to inspire, and bring grace. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Just a little side note for you. Although, upon them that they prophesied, although they never did so again, but two men, like, I look at this, but two men had remained in the camp. The name was of one was Eldad and the name was the other was Medad. I wonder if they ever got them confused. Which one's Medad, which one's Eldad? They go, me's Medad. He's Eldad. So, and the, and the spirit rested upon them. Now, these two are not with the others. They're not being prophesied. For some reason, they've been delayed. Maybe the wife had asked them to wash up or something. They had an important time, but they weren't there. They're 70, they're part of the 70, they're really important, but they had other things and they weren't with the others, right? So there's 68 and they're prophesying, but there's two. And the Spirit rested upon them. Now they were among those listed, but had not gone out to the tabernacle. So they weren't in the tabernacle, yet they prophesied in the camp. And the young men ran and told Moses and said, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. So Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, one of his choice men answered and said, Moses, my Lord, forbid them. And Moses said to them, are you zealous for my sake? Oh, that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. That of itself is a prophetic prayer. Now, there's, there's some key points in this about how the spirit of the Lord wants to flow through us. And here's, here's the amazing thing about being in a place that when we believe in Jesus Christ, we believe and come into covenant church environment. You can't do faith in Christ and not do church. Here are these two guys. They're not in the camp. They're not in the tabernacle. They're in the camp. They're washing up, right? I mean, they might not be washing up, but I, I doubt it. say. I don't know what they did, right? But let's figure they're washing up or they're <laughs> skinning a goat or something, right? <laughs> they're doing something that people do in the camp and not in the tabernacle, right? For some reason, they haven't gone to the tabernacle. Now, the 68 guys, they're ones of the listed. These are important men. They were in covenant relationship together with these guys. They were a, a brotherhood of leaders. And, and the 68 are prophesying. The Spirit of God came upon them in the tabernacle because that's where you met with God. But these guys, because they're in covenant relationship with ones in the tabernacle, but they're still at home, begin to prophesy. 
Because they're in covenant relationship. You know what? You've got to be in covenant relationship in the house for the Spirit of God to come upon you. I want you to know something. Even when you are not in the midst of everything that's going on in the center of it, because you're part of the house, that which rests upon the house will rest upon you. The Spirit of God will flow through your life and you will be touched by the anointing because you're in covenant relationship with him. He who believes in me, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Moses, Joshua comes and he says, and he says, Moses, you've got to stop this. See, Moses, Joshua is offended on behalf of Moses for the prophecy because it didn't line up with the scriptural process according to the law of how you minister. Here's, here's a side truth, right? The spirit of offense is what the enemy has produced to oppose the spirit of prophecy. Spirit of offense, Joshua's offended. Spirit of offense rises up to oppose the spirit of prophecy. And the spirit of offense will... will will come, will rise off facts and not truth. So you can, you can tell a fact, but a fact can, can be a fact. And, but you hear the fact and perceive the story wrong. And so you experience an emotion which drives your heart to believe you're right. That's how offense works. That's why people believe they're right. But there are many ways of telling a story. I was listening to the story of a, a pastor talking about how there was a, man, a, a pastor in America who had led a Satanist to the Lord. Um, and uh, the, the story of this guy getting saved had become a great success note in this pastor's ministry. And he had appeared in, on TV and, and there was all this kind of um, a circle of, uh, of excitement around this. And, and but the newspapers and people got a hold of it and they wanted to sort of expose the story. And so they, they discovered that the pastor was, was giving money to the Satanist. Uh, and he was living, the Satanist was living, ex-Satanist, was living in a, in a what they called a condo, uh, overlooking a golf course, uh, driving a Cadillac. And, they was, and so the offense arose, this terrible story about this guy who is, is in this place and and everyone started to get offended that this pastor is kind of, he's keeping this, he's paying the guy to say this stuff. But the truth was, he was paying him money, giving him money so he could get counselling because he was so broken by the Satanist, the, the things that he had experienced. He was living in a squalid little flat overlooking a mini golf course. And he drove a rusty old Cadillac that was nearly busted. Facts were true. Everyone who got offended got offended on fact, but not on truth. The Holy Spirit wants us to flow with the river of God. He wants us to arise with a spirit of truth that flows out of our life. He wants you to, I want, he wants you to understand that we are here to prophesy. We're here to withstand offense. We are not here. We make a choice not to be offended. We make a choice because when we, when we get offended with anyone for any reason, we no longer 
flow with the river of God, but with the personal emotion of our own agenda. Yeah. We're now follow, we're flowing with the indignation of our own agenda. Mm-hmm. But the Holy Spirit says this. Says, he who believes in me, out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. Mm-hmm. The secret to the flow of the Holy Spirit is just to turn and believe in Jesus. It's really, really simple. It's incredibly easy for us to turn. And I believe in tonight, I believe that, that there is a seedbed of faith being placed in the house as we make a covenant relationship with each other, as we turn and say, I'm believing for the house of God. I'm believing for my brother and sister. I'm believing for those who are around me. I'm believing that God will do great things in my life. I would believe in God would great, do great things in my brothers and sisters' lives of those people around me. I'm believing that God will rescue those I know who know not the Lord Jesus Christ as their saviour. I'm believing that those who have yet to see or understand will awaken to the truth. I'm believing, and in all of those believing, the turning to Jesus. See, you've got to have great courage in your heart to believe again when you've been disappointed before. But here's the thing. If you you live in the disappointment, you'll only be out of your belly will flow dust. (laughs) Because there's, there's nothing that comes out of disappointment but more debt. <laughs> Only in faith, in faith, I believe in Jesus Christ. I've discovered this by my own opinion because I've been offended. I've been upset. Because why? Because I'm a human being. <laughs> I've been disappointed. I can't tell you how many times I've been disappointed. Sometimes the disappointment aches on in the heart sometimes you just don't know what to do with yourself the deep sorrow of your heart but Jesus said he who believes in me you know what I discovered this I discovered that I much prefer the rivers of living water than I do the spirit of offense it feeds me it nourishes my heart inspires a spirit of faith and and I believe tonight the Lord is saying to you time to get the spirit of faith working in your heart again time to flow with the spirit of life the flow of the Holy Spirit as he comes out and put put down your roots as you turn and you look to Jesus Christ you begin to see that he is your savior amen thanks for listening if you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www.junctionchurch.com. God bless.